are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name's Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 to 20 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. Coming up on today's show, we're going to continue to look at the Giants' 2021 Zips projections. We've been doing this all week. These are put up every year by Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. They're one of the most well-respected public projection systems out there. And so every year when they get, get put out for your team, it's a really fun exercise to look through what are the projections for your team's players for the upcoming season. So that's what we've been doing. We've already looked at Yastrzemski, Belt, Posey, Slater, Flores, Dubon, Crawford, Longoria, and Solano. And today we're just going to continue to look through the hitters. And then moving into future dates, Thursday and Friday, we're going to start looking at pitchers. So all of that is coming up next, but first a little bit about me. I've been a contributor for the baseball analysis sites Beyond the Box Score and Fangraphs as a Rotographs contributor. I started a Giants podcast called Covecast in 2015 and then began hosting this show prior to the 2019 season. So if you missed the last couple episodes by all means, go back and listen. We talked about the the heavy hitters on the Giants. What are their projections for the upcoming season? And a big theme here has been talking about where I think there's a difference between what I expect and what these projections are saying. And just a little bit of background, we did this same exercise when the projections came out for the 2020 season. And Almost across the board, I was saying, this is why this player can outperform these projections. And that's that ended, that ended up being exactly what happened. And I don't think it was all just random luck. There's, there's definitely reasons in each player's individual case that I either think the projection is fair or there's a reason to believe they could outperform it. So that's a good segue into the first player we're going to look at here, which is Alex Dickerson who's projected to come in at just 5% better than league average offensively. This is in stark contrast to what Dickerson did with the Giants this year when he was 51% better than league average. Dickerson had a 371 on base and 576 slugging this year. Just a monster season in 52 games. Everything is a small sample in the 2020 season, of course. And so... It's not the same as doing this over 162. I totally understand that. But at the same time, I think we've all seen enough of Dickerson to know what his offensive ceiling is like. He basically did this with the Giants in 2019 as well, when he set the world on fire for several weeks there. Then he, he ended up injuring his back, and or oblique, I think, and not really playing consistently down the stretch. But in a Giants uniform, Dickerson has done nothing but hit. And so, I mean, a 105 OPS plus just barely being above league average, I just don't see that being realistic at all in terms of what... Like, I would comfortably 
if I was a betting man, take the over on a 105 OPS plus projection for Alex Dickerson. A big reason for that, I mean, my goodness, I'm looking at what he's done with the Giants. Dickerson, in his Giants career, has been 40% above average offensively. He's hit 294 with a 361 on base and 552 slugging. It's just 341 plate appearances that is still a small sample. But if we look closer at the platoon splits, Dickerson has just 30 plate appearances against left-handed pitching in his Giants career versus 311 against right-handed pitching. So they're clearly using him in a pretty strict platoon role. And by the way, he's been 43% above average against right-handed pitching in his Giants career. And when we just look at Dickerson's career against right-handed pitching, he's been 30% above average, including his time with the Padres. Against left-handed pitching in just 102 plate appearances, 13% below average. So anyway, he's a guy they're using in a platoon. He's done nothing but hit against right-handed pitching in his career and especially with the Giants. So I just don't think this is realistic at all. And it's probably not properly accounting for how much platooning they're going to do. And I would just feel really comfortable taking the over. The projection for Dickerson coming into the 2020 season was for a 97 OPS plus. And again, what did he actually do? Essentially a 151 OPS plus or weighted runs created plus in this case. But The projection was way off this year, and I think it's pretty far off again, even though he did increase it by eight points. And that's a theme again, is that several of these players we're looking at, because of the great years they had in 2020 in a small sample, the projection has gone up, but it's kind of a modest increase and doesn't quite reflect just how good they were in the 2020 year. Moving on, though, we have Jason Vossler, And if you haven't been following super closely the Giants this offseason, you might be wondering who the heck is Jason Vossler. Well, he's a former farmhand of the Cubs and Padres, and the Giants signed him to a major league contract this offseason several weeks ago. He was a minor league free agent. He's never played in the major leagues, but they signed him to a major league deal. They have since said, they, they believed it would require a major league deal to sign him. Vossler has said the Giants were the most aggressive team pursuing him. They called the day he became a minor league free agent. They knew all about him. They knew what his strengths were. They talked about how they could utilize those strengths. So they like Jason Vossler. But what is the projection? Well, it's just an 80 OPS plus, meaning 20% below average production. Now, before we panic about that and wonder what the heck are the Giants doing, this guy's not going to be good, why did they sign him? I just don't put a lot of stock into that at all. And I was curious, like, thinking about when the Giants acquired Mike Yastrzemski, it was a trade, not a signing, but nobody really expected much from him. So I went back and I looked at what were the Zips projections for Yastrzemski entering the 2019 season. And here's what they were a 79 OPS plus projection, meaning 21% below average. He was projected to hit 220 with a 288 on base and 371 slugging. Those are dreadful numbers. And again, these are projections as if the player were in the major leagues, even though Yastrzemski had never played in the majors. Same with Vossler. Vossler has 
a projection saying he's going to be 20% below average. Yastrzemski's projection entering 19, 2019 was to be 21% below average. So I don't put a lot of stock into that. It's really hard. I just think the Giants as evaluators, whatever tools and techniques they have for evaluating young players or players who have yet to debut in the major leagues, they have a better system than Zips, at least in the case of some players. Because Zips did not see Mike Yastrzemski coming at all. That was the the 20% below average was the projection there. Yastrzemski ended up being 20% above average for the Giants in 2019, and then 60% above average in 2020, despite a projection coming into that year that he would just be average. So anyway, Zips is a cool tool. Projection systems, public projection systems are great in a lot of cases, but we've talked about the flaws as it relates to the, to the Giants with their new hitting coaches. The computer system does not understand what those hitting coaches can do, the impact they can make. And I also think fundamentally, it's just going to miss on some minor league players that the Giants are identifying as players who can be good, but the the Zips projection system is possibly underrating them as it did with Yastrzemski. So anyway, coming up next, we'll talk about Joey Bart and we'll talk about Darren Ruff. And then we'll, we'll try to mix in some other guys. Those will be the last two main hitters that we focus on. But before we get into it, I first want to talk about our good friends over at Built Bar. If you know me, you know that I love these bars. And I wouldn't be saying that about these bars if they weren't so low in sugar. Because I'm a health conscious person and I'm not going to be eating a protein bar that basically is a candy bar. But what's great about Built Bar is that they taste like a candy bar. They taste like candy, except they're somehow very low in sugar and high in protein. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. I'm going to give an example of the nutritional facts about one of these bars. The peanut butter bar has 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, and 5 grams of sugar. Built Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. There's a free cooler with every purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, as promised here in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about Joey Bart's projection and the projection for Darren Ruff as well as some other players, hopefully. I end up spending a lot of time on each individual player. Later this week, we're going to start looking at pitchers. I think it's it's like a totally different animal to start looking at the pitchers. Maybe I believe the projections are a little more accurate for pitchers because we haven't seen that same type of development machine that we, we saw with the hitters this year. We didn't necessarily see that as much with the pitchers. So we'll look at Kevin Gosman. We'll look at Logan Webb, Johnny Cueto, all of that coming up later this week. So please come back for that. But moving on to Joey Bart. It's a disappointing projection, an 80 OPS plus, meaning 20% below average, just just a 283 on base percentage, which is dreadful, and a 386 slugging. So looking at what Joey Bart actually did with the Giants this year, he was 30% below average. He was one of the few disappointments offensively for the Giants in 2020. 
So it actually, the projection is actually saying he'll be better than he was with the Giants this year, but still a disappointing 20% below average projection. And this is a case, a rare case, where the projection for Bart coming into the 2020 season was actually better than it is for the 2021 season. Coming into the year, he was projected to be just 11% below average. A 289 on base percentage, which is disappointing, but a nice 424 slugging. So they expected he would hit for some power, but not get on base a lot. And because of how poorly Bart performed this year, he didn't hit for power and didn't really get on base. He hit zero home runs in 33 games. Just an 087 isolated power, which is really low. It's slugging percentage minus batting average. So, yeah, I mean, I buy it, unfortunately. An 80 OPS plus, of course, a prospect of Bart's pedigree. There's definitely upside for more beyond this. He looked very uncomfortable, but again, he was kind of thrust into the major leagues without any upper minors experience to speak of, really. So... Bart's probably going to start the year in the minors, assuming there's a minor league si- uh, season, which hopefully is a safe assumption this year. They really need that. And Posey should be the everyday guy. And I, I Posey has said he doesn't want to play for another team. And so Posey is such a strong defensive catcher. He's been a good offensive catcher in his career, a great offensive catcher during his peak. He's someone they could probably continue to bring back after 2021, assuming he doesn't completely fall off a cliff. And so he'll always be an option, I think, as the Giants transition to this younger core, Bart, Patrick Bailey, as a prospects, catching prospect in their minor league system. So it's not, uh, they're not totally relying on Bart here. They're, they're going to be able to transition him in slowly. And hopefully he's able to do that. But this projection and the season he had, not the greatest indicators of that at this point. So finally, the last kind of guy who figures to be a regular on this Giants team that's projected here is Darren Ruff. And this is a case similar to Dickerson, where I just don't don't really buy it. The projection is for an 87 OPS plus, meaning 13% below average. What did uh, Ruff actually do this year? Well, he was 40% above average. He had a 370 on base, 241 isolated power. Anything in the 200s means you're hitting for some power. So to be at 241 is pretty darn good. Ruff was a force against left-handed pitching as he has been his entire career. I know he took a little detour there in Korea. But, I mean, to say an 87 OPS plus is kind of suggesting, I don't know, it, it just doesn't seem realistic at all to me. Ruff was actually good against right-handed pitching this year also. I'm, it's a 35-plate appearance uh, sample, so I put pretty much zero stock into that. But they did let him play a little bit. I mean, he had 35-plate appearances against righties. It reminds me of Dickerson, who had like 10 or something. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but in Ruff's career, which is kind of weird, you know, some time in Philly and then time in Korea and then now with the Giants, but his major league career, he's been 50% above average against left-handed pitching, or the production has been 50% above average versus the league average production against lefties and righties. But he's got, it's pretty much the, the same numbers that he put up with the Giants this year, a 370 on base, 
544 slugging, 250 isolated power. And again, yeah, 50% above average. So to suggest that he's going to be 13% below average, a lot would have to go wrong there. And to me, that would mean he's kind of playing more than he should. But if you're putting him in favorable matchups, only letting him mostly you know, start against left-handed pitching, I just think he could easily outperform this. I would feel comfortable taking the over on a bet here if I was so inclined. So that's the thing. When we look at these projections, we can't just say, okay, that's it. The computer knows best. Let's not even think about this. And I see that a lot. People say, oh, these are the Zips projections. That means the Giants are going to do X, Y, and Z this year. And keep in mind, these projections are used to later make uh, predictions about what the Giants' record will be in the upcoming season. They're using these numbers. And we're consistently saying, I think the Giants will do better than this. I think the Giants will do better than this. And I think providing pretty good reason for that. And so this is, I'm basically saying a lot of the same stuff I said entering the 2020 season when the Giants, you know, using these numbers, the Giants were projected to have a really bad win-loss record. And there was a lot, people write about this and they say, oh, the Giants are predicted to be an awful team by this projection system. And okay, but what I said at the time was, I think, the individual players will do better than this. They're, they're wrongly estimating playing time also, which is another factor. They have to guess about who's going to play and how often. And those were really off. And it takes someone being really tuned in to the team to actually give a better estimate of who's going to play. So that was wrong. And so I said, easily, they're gonna I would take the over on this win-loss record prediction. And it ended up they ended up comfortably beating the projected win-loss record. And then offensively, they, of course, were one of the best offensive teams in the game, which people, even like people really in the know in the baseball industry did not expect that from the Giants, but that's what happened. So a lot of it looked legitimate to me. So I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to be at least a league average offensive team, probably better than that. And that's not what a lot of people saw out of this group entering last year, I think we're starting to see people believe that that is who they are legitimately to some extent moving forward. So that's all the time we have for today. Please come back tomorrow. I guess we didn't get to talk about the secondary guys like the Duggars, Chadwick Tromps, Jalen Davises of the world, Elliot Ramos. None of them have particularly exciting projections, but I don't think, again, it's going to miss on, on some minor league guys like it did with Yastrzemski. So anyway, come back tomorrow. We'll talk about pitchers. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're a fan of the show, please consider rating it or leaving a review in the Apple Podcast Store. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. And until then, we'll see you next time.